0: Captain Kurt. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you, love you. Mwah.
1: Most illogical. I said.
0: Well, that was different. Yep,
1: wuzzy, but different places.
0: Welcome ladies, gentlemen, bears, Tholians and things to episode 65 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. See so what you
1: did there. And I'm Jarman. And we're here to compare, contrast and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve?
0: The Muppets and Star Trek. We've been doing one to one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series.
1: And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Danny Kay and Star Trek original series episode, The Tholian Web. So please, Steve, tell us about this wonderful guest star, Danny Kay.
0: Danny Kay, actor, dancer, performer, comedian, and cook, a nice <laughs> Brooklyn boy who went on to be an American icon, did a lot of odd jobs, most of which he was fired from before getting his big break with a dancing troupe that eventually toured Europe and Asia. This moved on to a little bit of film work, eventually some successful Broadway shows, and then he had his own radio show for a while, the Danny Kay Show. Huh. Following this, he got some big movies, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Hans Kristen Anderson. And then in 1952, he even got to host the Oscars. Mm. Uh, all during this time, he did multiple USO, or t- USO show tours uh, and took the Danny K show to television, won some Emmys. He's just been all over the place. He's crazy. Uh,
1: the biggest thing I knew him from growing up was, uh, I think it was Dean Martin and him doing a bunch of movies together.
0: Uh, him, D. Martin, and then uh, what I will always know him from, and this is probably what our audience knows is from, is our mother's forcing us to watch White Christmas. Ah, yes. Every Christmas, and him and Bing Crosby.
1: <laughs> That's a good song. Um,
0: so, yeah, that's what I know him from. That's what our audience probably knows him from is White Christmas.
1: But those old classic movies I watched all the time on TCM and AMC as a kid with him and Dean Martin is like his comedy duo. It was just great because he was the goofy guy and Dean was like the ladies man. And it was just a lot of fun. He was the straight man and the comedy guy. And Danny Kaye was just very talented.
0: So what's he up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, backstage, Statler and Waldorf have disappeared. They're missing. It turns out they left because they hate the guest What's-His-Face-K, as they say. <laughs> Piggy and Danny seemingly flirt backstage getting ready and rehearsing for their number, which then changes into animosity, which they then take onto to stage. Um, finally, Danny joins Kermit backstage along with a slew of other Muppet characters, and they sing Inchworm. It's a really sweet number. Mm-hmm. And Danny steps out to feed the meter, only to run into Statler and Waldorf, who are surprised to see him because they thought he was someone else, Manny K, <laughs> who they hate. And they miss the whole show. On stage this week, uh, we get some fancy tuxedo wearing and evening gowned singers who perform Aquarius as their hair rapidly grows throughout the song and becomes out of control.
1: Damn hippies.
0: Following this, we find ourselves outside on a steel girder high-rise where a workman is eating his lunch. And it's a cute little sketch where his lunch dance out and then eventually he gets eaten by his lunchbox. (laughs) Next, they hit the stage is Danny and Piggy bringing their animosity with them from backstage singing cheek-to-cheek as they continue insulting banter in between verses. Following this, we head to the chef's kitchen where we meet the chef's uncle. They attempt to make an international turkey dish the Swedish chef leads a live turkey out, which freaks out, uh, and then they shoot it with a blunderbuss twice, and it turns into a cooked turkey on a plate. <laughs> After this, we get the Flying Zucchini Brothers, a high dive act. We're going to dive into a bucket. Beauregard comes out looking for his bucket and moves it, and all the Flying Zucchini Brothers like plummet to their death, basically.
1: Because <laughs> the bucket would have saved them.
0: Finally, we get Clive Cohinga, for some reason, the singing civil servant who takes the stage to sing the Municipal Vermin Abatement Code. Finally, Kermit hits the stage to thank Danny one last time. Danny brings out Statler and Waldorf, and Kermit sort of endearingly admits that they're part of the family.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And this is what we call the Muppet Show. Mm -hmm. So, Jarman, what did you think of this week's Muppet Show with special guest Danny Kaye?
1: I think I was pleasantly surprised or because a lot of times when there's somebody that I really like, I'm excited to see on the Muppet show. It
0: ends up being real bad. It uses
1: being crap for some reason. And but this was really great. I think he was an excellent host and they put him in everything. It felt like like he was just like in every part of the show, which, you know, some people might not like because we didn't get a lot of our regular segments because of that. But then That's he true. he joined in on the regular segment on the, the chef and he became the chef's uncle, um, which I thought was not rehearsed well enough because they were kind of like just kind of going back and forth aimlessly for a bit there. But it did in yeah, the end become really like, good.
0: It feels like Danny assured someone that he was familiar with the Swedish chef, right? He really wasn't.
1: <laughs> exactly, it could have been a lot better. Like that could have been a fantastic segment, and it ended up being just, eh, it was all right. But it was yeah. just kind of it was cool having a real chef there with the swedish chef. Yeah. Um and I like the side plot with Statler and Waldorf like seeing this outside area we don't really see I don't Yeah do like the loading
0: bay or something. Yeah. Like that.
1: that was really cool and that they weren't there and and the fact that they really liked any e. cake cuz you know how rarely they like anything. Um so yeah, I think for me, just maybe I'm biased. I really always loved Danny Kaye growing up that this is like probably in the top five of the season for me just because I like him so much. And Inchworm Inch was fantastic as well.
0: You're, you're not alone. This is often a top or in the top 10 of many best Muppet show episode lists for a reason. Right. Danny Kaye interacts well, which is another kind of big marker for us in the Muppets. Right. He's like looking at them and really playing into them.
1: And he improvises some stuff. You could tell, like they were going back and forth with some things that they're kind of like improvising. It was cute. Um, uh,
0: and yeah. and he, but he did his shtick. He did his thing, his big overdrawn reactions and all that stuff some throughout slapstick. the episode. Yeah. He got to show off that he could sing and dance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think uh, this deserves a top spot somewhere in this season, at the very least. Nice. I'm glad we both agree. Yeah. <laughs> Not alone. Uh, really. And yeah, Ann is was just so sweet. And, you know, he did it first with Hans Christian Andersen. Ah, that's right. And so it's one of those things like to see, you know, to get this 40, 30, 40 years later version of it with just all the Muppets backstage. It's just so sweet. And you know me, I'm also a sucker for backstage uh, musical numbers.
1: Oh, yeah, it's more intimate. Cool. And, and the cool thing was a lot of those Muppets weren't used in this episode. So they were able to pull everybody in like Fozzie and Rolf and stuff and just kind mm-hmm. of bring them in for the final scene there. And it was just, it was really sweet, you know, just intimate. I liked it. Yeah.
0: Music this week, some of that sweet, intimate music Aquarius from the 1967 musical hair. It was released as a single by the group, the fifth dimension, Uh, the lead singer of that group, bill Davis jr. Left his wallet in a cab. And the guy who returned it worked on the show and invited the band. And afterward they called their manager and they said, we have to get this song recorded as soon as possible. Oh, Cheeky Cheek, Cheek, written by Irving Berlin from the movie Top Hat, featuring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, and it was the number one song of 1935. (laughs) Jogging by uh, Miles Rudge and Mike Sames. Mike Sames had his own group, the Mike Sames Singers, who actually provided the backup vocals for the Beatles song, I Am the Walrus.
1: Oh, question, was jogging in your episode? Uh, I had to look it up. Cause it wasn't in my episode on Disney plus. I had to look it up. Okay. So that making sure I remember,
0: crazy. I remember the, um, jogging like I remember it in my head. And so when I saw it, I was like, yeah, where the hell is it?
1: Weird. <laughs> yeah. Cause it says UK spot on the, if you go to Wikipedia for the, the uh, fan wiki, up.
0: it's a really, really sweet number. And it's one of those ones that just stuck with me from childhood. Oh, okay. It's too bad. To,
1: too bad. It didn't carry over um, Disney plus.
0: Yeah. You know, rights. Yeah. It happens. And then inchworm. Uh, well, we already saw uh, performed by Charles Aznavour in oh, season one. I forgot about this first performed by Danny Kaye and Hans Christian Anderson. As mentioned, And the movie was nominated for six Academy Awards, including best song, but not for inchworm, a different song, Thumbelina. Ah, uh, right. John, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week?
1: So although inchworm had a lot of Muppets in it, um, the technical difficulty award for this episode, I think, has to go to the construction lunchtime scene for me because um, it was really cute. All this little food comes out of his lunchbox. It's a lot to manage. this is a big set. Obviously, they have a set below where you can't see the, uh, the Muppeteers and all these little foods are dancing around very carefully. And then they pull him down. There's just a lot going on. And to make it just cute and simple, but really so much is going into that cute and simple. So I thought that was definitely my favorite Muppeteering moment.
0: Uh, I actually gave that exact same moment my vote because ah. uh, there wasn't. Well, you're right. There was the the one, two or three sketches that had a lot of Muppets. None of them were technical or highly difficult. Right. Uh, so I had to think back of like what took a lot of movement, a lot of coordination of the lunchbox thing. Absolutely.
1: It came off simple, but that took a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of development.
0: So, drummer, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek?
1: All right. So now we have the Tholian Web, which, man, this episode weaves quite a web into the whole greater star Trek series, but we'll talk about that later. So the enterprise is going to enter some uncharted space to search for its sister ship, the USS defiant, and they immediately detect some space anomalies in the area or more specifically fractures in space. And they see the USS defiant adrift in space, but it's totally green and it's only visually detectable, but it's not reading on sensors at all for some reason. So Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Chekhov all head over to the Defiant in environmental suits to see what's going on, and they arrive to find the entire crew of the ship dead. And Bones determines that they have all killed each other, and they must have had some kind of space madness that made them go crazy and kill each other. So Bones finds this one dead body that his hand goes right through, and the same with inan- inanimate objects nearby, so they decide they should hurry up and get back to the Enterprise before things get worse. So... Back in the Enterprise, though, Scotty is realizing that the Enterprise is also being affected by this weird area of space, and it's affecting the transporters. So he tries to quickly bring back the away team, but he can only bring back three at a time. So Kirk makes him take back Spock, Bones, and Chekhov. And they eventually make it back safely, but they're not able to transport Kirk back before the USS Defiant disappears entirely. So Spock eventually figures out that this area of space they're in is an interphase, which where two parallel dimensions are touching each other, and at certain moments, they can travel from one to the other. And at that moment, Chekhov goes nuts and murderous and is taken away to sickbay because he's just going crazy, and he has to give him the Vulcan nerve pinch to shut him up. And it appears that they're starting to have the same symptoms that made the Defiant crew kill each other, which is bad news. But Spock refuses to move the ship, even though Bones is trying to convince him to, because otherwise they could lose their chance to get back Captain Kirk if they move the ship. So they calculate they have less than two hours before the next interphase will occur between dimensions where they can possibly get Kirk back. And just at that moment, a Tholian ship approaches them and says that they have claimed this area of space and that the Enterprise needs to leave, but they eventually agree to give them the two hours they need to get their captain back. But then there will be consequences if they don't leave, and they're very punctual, apparently, according to Spock. But when the time comes for Kirk to return, he doesn't, and Spock thinks it's because the Tholian ship disturbed the space around the Interphase. So the Tholian ship immediately attacks once the two hours has gone by, and they disable the Enterprise's engine, and then Spock returns fire, disabling the Tholian ship. But then a second Tholian ship arrives and begins to craft an intricate web of plasma stuff around the Enterprise, which will eventually trap it there forever. So while Scotty tries to fix the ship before they are trapped forever and Bones is working on a cure for the space madness, Spock holds a memorial service for Kirk because he believes there's no way to get him back now. And and Kirk would soon run out of air from his environmental suit anyway, so he'll probably be dead uh, anyways. So Spock and Bones then go listen to a tape left behind by Kirk that they were told to watch if he ever died. And it basically tells them to make sure they work together on things and not to fight with each other all the time. So they apologize to each other for getting each other's throats a bit and they get to work. Um, And soon both Ahura and Scotty eventually see ghostly images of Kirk floating around on the ship pretty comically actually. And they believe he might still be alive because of that. So bones creates the antidote to the space madness finally. And Spock calculates when Kirk's ghost will appear next and the engines are repaired and Spock beams Kirk aboard just as he runs out of oxygen and they blast away before being trapped by the Tholian web forever and when Kirk is back, he asks Spock and Bones about the final message he left them if he was dead. And they both lie and say they never watched it. And that's the end of the episode. So, Steve, what do you think of the Tholian web?
0: All right. Some things I liked. Sulu and Chekhov in the same episode. Yeah. But, like, for a considerable amount of time. With they lines. Were in the same fr- Like, it was great. <laughs> I was like, wow, both of them. Finally. Uh, great. Like sort of cliffhanger where they visit the Defiance and the two guys choking each other, crazy space, face accident. Like it's a good opening stinger. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this that the, they introduced the multiverse all of a sudden.
1: Well, besides Mirror Mirror, which we already saw, I believe.
0: True, but like Spock really went into it. Like there are multiple dimensions over top of our own, and for a while we over. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's so a lot in the MCU. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I like that there were good, clean timeline stakes, 3.62 hours right? Uh, was how much oxygen he had. Uh, but then they immediately escalated with the alien craft and they only had an hour and some time. I wish that they could have built that a little bit better, hmm. but we went straight from like, he can only live for three more hours. We can only live for two more hours, like a minute later. I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I guess stuff happened.
0: <laughs> like, I think, but they could have they could have spaced it out and built a little bit more, I think. Spock uh, Spock's back on McCoy. Dodger, I am in command of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. This was it was yeah, hot. Yeah, it was. Fire. <laughs> um, I love the depiction of space madness and the great racked camera angles. I'm sad that it didn't follow through, through more of the episode.
1: Yeah, it was kind of resolved quickly in the end there without much consequence. Well, the first thing
0: was like the doctor's assistant who tried to kill McCoy. Like that was all racked and you knew something was up and they did it. And then we just, they they used the effect like one other time.
1: Yeah, the guy in engineering, that was the last time.
0: Uh, And then the ship at the end, just sort of phasing out of existence and back in reminded me of of Star Trek Discovery a little bit. Like just random space teleportation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we got to see Uhura's quarters.
1: Yes, for the first
0: time that was on cool. the series, she's wearing an elegant red gown. She's in mourning. It was it was awesome to get to see like behind the scene. She had like an African character.
1: statue behind her and everything.
0: Uh, things I disliked: how much of this season's budget went to these spacesuits?
1: <laughs> Quite <laughs> a bit. The actually, most
0: expensive thing I have seen this entire season are these spacesuits they made.
1: This whole episode was one of the more expensive of the third season, actually. Yeah.
0: Uh, why is Chekhov always the one going insane and unable to keep his shit together? <laughs> he's, it's it's he's always Russian. him. Uh, the space madness seemed pretty selective in its timing. <laughs> like it would just randomly strike someone at the exact wrong moment and then everyone else was fine. It wasn't like a progression for everyone. <laughs> I just think that it was they really had to make Bones the, the extra like double dumb asshole this episode.
1: Or just really angry and kind of ornery all the time. And like
0: really judgmental against Spock. Right. Basically playing it up to like him wanting Jim's command. But, But then he kind of even backtracked on that. I didn't get it.
1: It was a little much like after three seasons now, he's still acting this way towards Spock. Like he's proved his loyalty to Kirk over and over again. Like how much more does Spock need to do at this point? I agree uh, and with
0: it that. felt bad that Ahura fell to pieces when she saw Kirk in the mirror.
1: Yeah, they couldn't give her the strength to be more like professional and scientific, and be like, um, and "I saw something." And the only reason they
0: they like locked her up or whatever, and, like strapped her to the table, is because they're like, she has the space madness too now. But I'm like, why? Why did her freak out in the first place? Yeah,
1: I mean, I can see her being emotional, but at the same time, she's a trained professional. She's a scientist. Right. She is a linguist. Like she knows what she's doing. She wouldn't just like completely lose it. you know.
0: And, and I didn't get, I, I kind of get what, like why they would lie to the captain about receiving the orders in the end. I can see why bones would do it, but not and Spock. lying about the timeline. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. And maybe that's why it's supposed to be special. Cause it doesn't make sense that Spock doesn't, but he does it anyway.
1: It shows his more human side taking over kind of thing.
0: Um, overall a pretty good episode this season which I've have found a little bit lackluster thus far. I think it's by the best episode this season so far easily. Nice. Um, but I, I would really have to to put it up against the stuff we've already said as top of the heap.
1: Yeah. From the other seasons. That's true. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, a few things I, I noticed that were fun about the episode was that it was a rare episode without much of Kirk in it. Cause he's gone. Most of the episode, the other characters are allowed to shine and, this is actually one of the few episodes in the whole series where like the other main crew are all together and doing things in the whole episode like yeah. Sulu's, Chekhov, Scotty, Uhura, everybody. Um so I like that about it and um and probably the point, best part of the whole episode where I laughed like crazy was the, the the when they when Bones finally gives the antidote and he's giving it in that alcohol form and Scotty has that whole scene about like Oh, does this go good with whiskey? <laughs> He's like gonna go drink a lot of it. Basically,
0: yeah. I'll like, let you know. He takes the whole bottle. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely one of the betters of season three, and we'll have to definitely yeah reevaluate what we've seen so far in season three and try to remember what has gone on so far because otherwise, so you mentioned that the
0: Tholian's thing broke like Star Trek canon.
1: Oh yeah, so basically. This ship, the USS Defiant, has been in three different Star Trek series now just being a, it sounded familiar. a dead ship. So there is another famous Defiant, which is in the uh, series D Space Nine, which is a different ship entirely. It's just a ship they, re- they call the Defiant as well. It's a smaller attack ship. Um, but this ship, after it goes to this other dimension that Spock talks about, it does go to the mirror universe. And we next see it in far as air order in Star Trek Enterprise with Scott Bakula. Um, they go to the mirror universe and they show that this ship is there. Um, so it's also mm. gone back in time as well. So when it went to the mirror universe and back in time, and so it's become like this thing that the, the Terrans of the evil universe people from earth are, are investigating this ship, trying to look at this new technology and, and gain information from it. And then it reappears again in star Trek uh, discovery, the new series, uh, when they go to in season one, they go to the mirror universe and spoilers. And they, um, they see that the ship is there, the USS Defiant, and they're trying to investigate this Defiant to figure out how it got there, so they can get back to the Prime Universe. Um, Hmm. so this ship with no crew on it just goes to three different shows and is mentioned in three different shows is pretty crazy.
0: Um, Do we see the Tholians again? they at is, any point or are they just a one in one shot throwaway race
1: i believe it's also on star trek enterprise we see the tholians and they look pretty bad because it's like 2004 cgi and it's like they're like very triangle shaped. 2004
0: and stuff. television cgi yeah
1: and so in upn television CGI. <laughs> so um right but i think they're like very triangle looking and weird and it's not good so i hope they're getting another shot at being but they're very like secluded uh what do you call it insular community of people the tholians and they don't mm. want to get involved in anybody they're very aggressive and kind of but they don't want to they like
0: territorial territorial they, yeah. they don't want to do episode.
1: wars but they want to stay to themselves and leave them alone kind of thing but yeah we they're in the books a lot and they um but yeah they do come back in enterprise and we'll eventually get there so we'll come back to this so uh, when we get to Enterprise. Ooh, exciting <laughs> so now here's some trivia of the episode um Star Trek was nominated for an Emmy Award for the special effects in this episode, uh, which we didn't see if you watch this on Paramount Plus. We've seen the remastered effects, but even the original effects won the Emmy Award um, or nominated for an Emmy Award for the special effects in this episode. Um, This is one of only two uh, TOS episodes without a single guest star. Um, The other one was the immunity syndrome, which I don't remember much about. I think we watched that one. But I don't know what that, which one that is. But either way, we there's did. only one.
0: That was the one where uh, it was like a big 17-mile-long organism that thought they were the virus. Oh, that rings
1: a bell. That's okay. the one. Gotcha. Yes, yeah, so there's only one of two episodes. It doesn't have a single guest star except for dead bodies, of course. Um, when Chekhov asks if there's ever before been a mutiny aboard a starship, Spock responds by saying that there are absolutely no records of any such
0: occurrence That seems suspect.
1: And this cleverly avoids answering the question directly. While there may be no mutiny on record, Spock well knows that there have been at least two, one of which he himself took part in during the menagerie part one and part two um, or the cage. As we saw the original pilot, he mutinies to basically go um, to where he wants to go. Um, Oh, no, the menagerie. Sorry. Menagerie is where he goes to take Pike back to that planet. That's what when he mutinies. That's right. Um, And another mutiny is mentioned in uh, years after the fact in whom gods destroy as well. There's one mentioned, but I guess they're not on the books. So Spock very cleverly goes around that. And what's kind of neat, I found was there's an antique Napoleon, the third ebony cabinet pedestal found in Spock's quarters. That's fancy. I need to go back and look at that, but it, it had previously appeared in the films. It's a wonderful life and Citizen Kane. Wow. Since they film on this uh, big, you know, lot like a studio lot, they use a lot of um, props from other movies and stuff. But that thing had been around since uh, forty six and forty one for Cis and Kane, and it's been now in Star Trek, wow. which is pretty cool. But yeah, so uh, what uh, Trek connection, Muppet connections we got this week?
0: All right, in Star Trek Enterprise, Doctor Flocks, I hope that means something to you. Yeah, watches part of one of Danny's movies, The Court Jester, while everybody else is in like cryo sleep. Oh, nice. Both Danny Kaye and William Shatner has served as King Bacchus or the King of the Mardi Gras Parade in New Orleans. Danny was King Bacchus in 1969 and Shatner in 1987. Very cool. In 1984, Danny Kaye was awarded a Kennedy Center Honor along with fellow Muppet Show guest Lena Horne and playwright Arthur Miller. The White House, the Reagans at the time, hosted a buffet for the honorees and in attendance was Leonard Nimoy. Ah, very nice bam trek connects
1: <laughs> those are some good ones and these are basically the same episode right i mean i we,
0: may have wa- i'm not gonna lie to you i may have watched one twice i was
1: very confused for a while there but so just like in the muppets episode where the whatnot's hair grows wildly out of control Ooh. uh just like the tempers of those infected with the space virus grow wildly out of control on the enterprise
0: like that. Both people both feature people starting friendly and then ending with animosity. The crew as Space Madness sets in and Piggy with Danny during their cheek to cheek rehearsal. Very true. The performance.
1: Very true. Uh, The Flying Zucchini Brothers are trying to jump down into a bucket, but it is taken away from them. Just like how Kirk is trying to beam back to the Enterprise and his universe is taken away from him.
0: Ooh, (laughs) Similar note. (laughs) Both feature people missing from their normal place. Mm. Kirk from the Bridge of the Enterprise and Statler and Waldorf from their booth. So true. I mean, same episode. It's the same thing. Same episode. Oh, God. What is that? Transporter
1: malfunction. Transporter (laughs) malfunction. All right. Here's a part of the show where we transport one of the characters from one of the episodes to the other and vice versa. So what do you got for us, Steve?
0: Trek to Muppets. I've got Kirk phasing in and out of existence just throughout the entire Muppet Show episode. <laughs> every scene, he shows up just a little bit.
1: So he's not replacing anybody. He's just going over
0: there. And, and one dramatic Muppet falls to pieces every single time. <laughs> I love it. I saw him. He's alive.
1: Oh, got the, got the Muppet Madness.
0: <laughs> oh, shake her up. She's got the space madness. I'm bones.
1: Uh, I have Danny Kay. Taking the place of Chekhov, because I think he'd be great at just playing crazy and murderous in a very funny way, and I'd love to see that happen.
0: <laughs> I can, I can get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. Muppets to Trek. I've got Bring Bringover Piggy to replace the disturbed crew woman O'Hara and give her plenty of opportunity to enjoy space madness and attack other people.
1: <laughs> I saw him. Hi-ya!
0: <laughs> it just smacks people around over and over. Just karate chopping the entire crew, even I, more than Shatner. And he loves to karate. It's chop. true. Chop everything. Not almost as much as he loves that j- double, that jump, both legs off the ground sidekick. Just throw
1: yourself on the ground by kicking someone.
0: <laughs> I'd love to see a fight coordinator. Like, all right, what well, William, you got to stop doing that. No one does that. And Shatner's like, but it's my move. It's a, Really bad move, man. <laughs> but it's my signature that people expect to see it. Your
1: signature sucks. <laughs> so uh, I also have Spock transferring over to take the place of Clive Cahuanga civil Cahuenga. servant, because I think Spock would be really good at giving a very logical based performance on stage of opera uh, based off of filing uh, insurance claims or whatever the That's guy was right. doing.
0: Yeah. The, the vermin abatement code. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So
1: I guess that brings us to the end of episode 65 of the Muppet Trek podcast.
0: It does. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Spike Milligan.
1: And original series episode Plato's
0: Stepchildren. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us.
1: Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter.
0: Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been
1: brought to you by A Play on Nerds.